forced to get off of home base. We thought it was too dangerous. They said too many people are getting hurt. There were 10 people that were taken off site. A lot of people have been talking about these fires, but it was so much more than that. Podcast 99. Podcast 99. We are back. This is Ryan Lichten here with Parks Miller and Josh Evans. Yo, yo. We're going to con- continue our, our coverage of day two of the Woodstock 99 festival today. Uh, it's a There's a lot going on. We're covering a lot of sets today, so we're going to keep all of our exciting uh, personal stories that you're going to want to hear for the next episode, because in that episode, there's nothing to talk about when it comes to the sets. But for this episode, there's shit tons. Uh, but before we get into that, yeah, you guys know, uh, but before we get into that, a uh, little update on... Michael Lang's Woodstock 50, the 50th anniversary of the original Woodstock, or could be the, uh, I mean, it's on a different date, but the 20th anniversary of Woodstock 99. This is the last one for Lang. <laughs> this is Well, yeah, because he's, he's old, and like, already there has been problems. Um, there was a story, I think it was in uh, USA Today, or uh, I, I believe that that's where I saw yeah. it. You got picked up by other yeah, yeah, it, it was around, but basically it said after delays, artists are finally wired money confirming their you know performance at Woodstock 50. Yeah. Like, already he's like, doesn't have enough money to get well, to people. Like, well, we- no. <laughs> well, actually, I, I read into that, and basically because Woodstock is not a serial festival like Coachella, uh, basically it's considered to be a brand new festival, and so a lot of these big Um, headliners have a clause where if it's a first-time festival, they have to receive, like, their full payment before they play. Whereas, like, a Coachella, you can put down, like, a down payment and only do, like, a portion of the money. But basically, Uh, there's this weird loophole with it, which, I mean, still, you know, it's just a weird little thing about it, because there hasn't been one in 20 years. And the last one, was awful, right? Yeah. So I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and say right now, this one doesn't look that good either. This might be probably one of the worst festival lineups I've ever seen. But I say that it is very Woodstock. It's safe. It, it's, it's 2019 safe. festival it's safe. safe. It's too safe. Yeah. Uh, we got you know the the killers are the headliner of the first day. The second day is headlined by uh, Dead and Company, and the last day is headlined by Jay Z. So those mm-hmm. are your your Woodstock 50 heavies, uh, but also bands like Imagine Dragons, uh, Chance the Rapper is going to be there, Santana, Dave Crosby, Miley Cyrus is playing. Melanie. Uh, yeah, Melanie, a, a 69 alumni. There's a few people. John Fogarty's playing. A couple alumni. Um, they, they kept it. Oh, and uh, uh, what? Uh, Country Joe <laughs> is playing. Oh, wow, he is. I'm, I'm is it Canned it. Heat playing? I think Canned Heat is playing. That's okay. pretty cool. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're keeping it. You got Legit, hot, but yeah, very hot safe. Tuna, which is a Jefferson Air members of Jefferson Airplane. Oh, cool. So, right, yeah, I yeah. Mean, and there's, I mean, there's nothing I would, gnarly though. It's nothing gnarly. I mean, yeah, they're definitely trying to just, yeah, they want to go back to '69. I mean, that's the iconic thing, and yeah, there's not going to be, I yeah, mean, nothing, nothing resembling, but the like, old, but metal. the old stuff paralleled with like you know, Imagine Dragons and the Killers and things like that, like. Well, yeah, like for not all sure intents I get and it, pur- you know, I mean, bands like the Black Keys and Edward Sharp, for all intents and purposes, like fulfill like the 69 vibe or like Gary. Clark sure, right. No, I, yeah, I agree. Right, yeah. Yeah. And Lumineers I mean, are playing, too. Oh, God. Yeah. Fogarty. I saw Fogarty. Nightmare. He fucking rips. John Fogarty is going to. Yeah. Play. 
but that's again, what I mean. It's like the old, the old, the old people are like, I, I'm down. I, that's cool. Yeah. But you know, I, I yeah, mean, no, I, I mean, with I kind of want to see Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, definitely. I bet she would uh, do a good show, but yeah, we'll, we'll see if any of us actually make it there, though. Uh, we'll which see, Miley I mean, Cyrus are you going to get at Woodstock, though? You're going to get the fucking new one, like the Jolene covering fucking <laughs> like the the safe one. You're not going to get you're not going to get tongue out, Miley. Flaming lips, a, Miley. It's a safe yeah. Oh, dude, that hey, that might be kind of cool. Turned out, Miley. Turned, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. dude. Jesus, yeah. Let's uh, stop talking about this shitty festival. <laughs> we'll talk, oh, we're going to talk okay, about I'm it more later. But, one th- I'm know. seeing. I think the maybe the one metal in quotation bands I'm seeing is this band called Fever 333. Like, they play at my venue, The Masquerade. So, like, I, I feel have like never heard of that. I think that they are, like, almost metal or, like, just, like, maybe, <laughs> like, like, two distortion pedals type vibe. I don't know. That's the only thing nice. I'm seeing. So, but. they'll bring the heavy knot. Oh, Greta Van Fleet, uh-uh. too, you know. Ugh. They're they're making lots of They played at my knees right now, so. It was whack. <laughs> when uh, I mean, one thing I'll I'll, I'll say, and and I'll, I'll leave it at this for for now until we get more news about the festival with Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros playing along with the Lumineers. All you're gonna be hearing from miles around is, "Hey, that's all, all those fucking <laughs> bands do." A lot, of, right? a, lot of, a lot of wordless choruses in this in this hey! in this, this <laughs> they festival. They fucking do that goddamn shit. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> all right, so. Foreign people can sing along. <laughs> it's <laughs> universal. It's like math. Uh, so we're on the E stage now. We uh, last last we we left off. We were. Uh, it, it was uh, it was Wyclef Jean, wasn't it? I think uh, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, and this was that was also on the E stage. But if you remember, because we kind of bounced around. So when when we did our episode on Everclear and Bruce Hornsby, those were both West stage acts that kind of were happening in between. Wyclef and this next band that we're talking about, Counting Crows, Counting Crows. on the oh, East yeah. stage. Oh, but there before us... that, didn't we? Uh, didn't this is just really petty? But didn't Wyclef like our Instagram post? Oh, oh yes! Yeah. Oh my Which God! Is, yeah, good call. I I really think, like, I mean, I'm almost like now I'm intrigued. Like, I think he like, <laughs> I think he's really proud of his Woodstock performance, and that almost makes it a little bit better. You know, like I he obviously he totally didn't listen it. to the episode. Well, it, what what it was, if you guys don't follow us uh, on Instagram, and you should at Podcast Ninety Nine, uh, we P- Parks made one of those Drake memes where he's just like no, and then he's like yes, and it was yeah. you know the no was Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock, and then the yes was Wyclef Jean, and yeah, he fucking liked that shit, and I was like, yeah. there's no way, because I mean we've you know tons of different like band fan pages follow us and stuff like that, so I thought there's no way, clicked on it. Fucking certified page, five hundred thousand followers. That's why Clef Jean. He he only has five hundred thousand followers. Yeah, but you know that, that's a lot more than I got. But yeah, uh, I mean we got like yeah. But yeah, I got you I, know. I I think that I mean, I think he I think he's just unironically like yeah, I I killed it. He maybe definitely is maybe like that. he just had the most fun, and we didn't realize it. I think he did have a lot of fun, except for when uh. It, and oh, Diana she fucked him over. Oh, yeah, Diana she <laughs> shit all over it. I did not catch that. I didn't catch that until you pointed that out. That she's just like completely stopping the show uh, and calling them out in front of everyone. That's fucking hilarious. Oh um, my god! All yeah, right, we, love so, you, Diana. we got Moving we got on. Counting Crows. Counting and Crows. Yeah. yeah, Counting Crows. Uh, this is on the East Stage. We're talking about about three thirty ish is when they were slated to play. So you know. 
give or take a couple minutes of lag time. Uh, but uh, let's. What's going on with Counting Crows? Where did they come from? What's going on? All bros? right. So I got a little bio on them. Uh, they were uh, formed in the the Bay Area, like Berkeley area. As you, if you watch the set, you'll know that they're from Berkeley. They mentioned a lot. <laughs> yeah, he does. He, um, yeah. It's uh, it was formed by uh, singer Adam Durwitz and guitarist David uh, Bryson. Uh, Adam Durwitz is by far the the one you would know. He's the singer. He's got like. The really like the poofy hair kind of looks like um, Krusty from uh, The Simpsons. Like Sideshow Bob. Sideshow Bob. Or Sideshow Bob. Yeah. Sideshow Bob. Yeah. It's like he's got this big poofy hair. It's like very iconic. And his voice is, it's, it definitely you would associate it with like 90s. Like the, the it's like they're the soft alt rock. Um, they absolutely probably got their start in like lots of like coffee houses in the Berkeley area. Uh, quick little thing on the name. Is that Durwitz is friends with uh, actress Mary Louise Parker of the show Weeds, and she oh. was in this movie called Signs of Life, and the movie included a British nursery rhyme called One for Sorrow, which is about a British superstition of counting magpies, which is a British way of calling them crows, and basically the number of <laughs> crows you you count uh, when they fly off it, that determines your luck or whatever, so. He also um, says Counting Crows in like a song during the set. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I guess because there, that's, since that's, there's like yeah. a poem about Counting Crows, it's kind of like yeah. gives you the, the license to you know mention it. Um, but basically, they had this really big break in 93 when um, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Van Morrison had a last minute, like he Van Morrison was supposed to play and he had a last minute cancellation and Counting Crows filled in. So it kind of like shot them to the top of like, all these, you know, like Van Morrison, uh, members of the band, uh, T-Bone Burnett, they were all in attendance. So then they kind of got this like big co-sign from all these like big like 70s um, artists. And their music definitely like reflects that where it's like it definitely has this like 70s soft rock vibe. But then it has this like super 90s, like the angsty, sad guy. It's mega music. 90s. Well, I was going to say, too, yeah. it's it's I, I, I can't stand it myself, but it it. it at least with the singer, there's definitely like a uh, a cure kind of like <laughs> vibe going. Sure. Trust me, that, Trust, uh, the, the cure, the cure, like it, they, they oh, kind of. Oh, the cure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, an REM kind of thing, and then very, and then there's like an Americana the vibe that they throw yeah. in there. I call that style of music coffee core. Yeah. Well, I like, that's yeah, like, and they're like, you know, because we're gonna get to and like the next band that we're gonna get to is like another mega, like, may, probably the most coffee core band uh, to ever exist. Well, I was uh, gonna besides say Hootie and the Blowfish, who did not play at Woodstock. 99. I was gonna say because when we were talking about live, I I, I brought up uh, husband rock, and I think that this could be husband <laughs> rock. But then I was thinking about it more, and I'm like, maybe this is like divorcee rock. Oh, and then yeah. before we get into the set, though, I had I did a little I did a little experiment here, and I uh, I, I watched this set, and I went through because I noticed that this is some bullshit. And this guy, I noticed that he said she a lot, so I wanted to to, to see how many times Adam Durrit Durwitz Durritz what what is it Durritz Adam Durritz. I wanted to see how many times he said the word she throughout the whole set, and I actually I have the the answer right here. But before before I reveal the answer. Ryan, what do you think? I think that the singer of Counting Crows said the word she 23 times during the set. 
Why 23? I don't know, because I'm like thinking about they played they play like 10 songs. Maybe he said it like, you know, a There's couple times. There's a lot of power with that number, said, Brian. I, <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that. We can get into it. Before. <laughs> yeah. If we get into it, it's going to be a fucking, that's, that's going to be that's a another part two of this That's whole. another podcast. But anyway, uh, Parks, yeah. what, did, <laughs> what did you, uh, what did you uh, think? I just, I'm just guessing around 100. I know that might be a little high. I know that there's right. one song in particular where he probably blows through 23 in one song. <laughs> Um, like you think he says, yeah, that one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe fifty. I just want. I said a hundred to be dramatic, but yeah. All right. Well, let's drum. All right, fifty All and right. twenty-three. All right. Well, drum roll. You ready? What is it? Adam says she. Okay, so think about this. We have an hour. <laughs> that the set is an hour and seven. An minutes. Hour long. Yeah. yeah hour yeah. seven minutes. We have, and you know, listeners out there, if you guys want to fucking fourteen songs, try to you know go over and see if I fucked up. I got 52 here. Whoa, 52. damn. Parks oh, is almost so right. So we're, we're, we, almost, we almost have a she every minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that one song. I don't know the name of it, but there is that one song where I think every line starts with like, and she said, she, and she, she. And she said. And so I think that's where it boosts it. But I'm yeah, he peppers it. But this kind of music and this kind of writing and this kind of approach to songwriting in general is, is it's a problem. Josh hates it. I, it doesn't bother me. It's blaming I mean, I'm, culture. I'm not, Vertical I'm Horizon like, still is the worst with that. But well, like, look I at would, this guy. I'll take this I'll guy. Take if, if, that, if that was his Horizon prime, any day. He looks like shit. Mr. Jones is catchy. All Mr. Jones is great. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, that's the thing with coffee corn. No one cared how they looked. But also, like, whatever, dude. It was like Berkeley. Like he has like total Berkeley hair. Like. That's like yeah. what a lot of dudes in Berkeley look like. Like he didn't even know he he it's, looked the way he did. Probably it was just it's, natural. It's like it's like a it's like you're taking all these like Americana folk soft rock thing, and then you're adding like almost like a sort of Bob Dylan like stream of consciousness, which is like the poetry Berkeley thing. And um, their biggest hit, Mister Jones. Uh, it exemplifies everything we're talking about. I mean, it definitely is like the quintessential Counting Crows song. It was on their debut album, um, so they they I mean they like hit it off huge. They started uh, with album, that song, right? Uh, yeah, August and everything after uh, their debut album sold seven million copies. Produced by T Bone Burnett, who I do I do like that producer. Oh wow, um, he produced that album. He, dude, he's T Bone Burnett has done every That's crazy. single thing. Ever, um, he, but he yeah, the, just, he does the score for True Detective now. Oh, yeah, cool. I mean, yeah. he's done a million. Th he did like uh, he's done a, the, he the whole with, series. Uh, oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was on the Bob Dylan's Rolling Thunder tour. So I mean, I have huge respect for that guy. So I did uh, reading that. I was like, oh, okay, wow, like this, you know, T Burn Burnett. He liked Counting Crows. Not that I'm going to start listening to Counting Crows or anything, but um, anyway, that was a huge album, a huge debut. Uh, he Duritz had a pretty like i guess a widely publicized breakdown afterwards uh, i didn't get too much into that um around 90 time of woodstock 99 they were preparing to release a, their third album called this desert life and so they do play this song hanging around which i do remember uh yeah being on the radio at the time because that's around the time that i you know started listening to like the local like alt rock radio um, and that so that's song, a catchy that's, song. That's, that it is catchy. You know what it reminds me of actually? It's catchy. Is, uh, it's, it's it's almost it's got this T Rex riff. 
Yeah, I guess that one song hanging around was like that was my one personal connection to it. Uh, and then beyond that, I saw that they had a song called Accidentally in Love that was a huge hit on the soundtrack of Shrek 2. So putting it in the, <laughs> the company of Smash Money, Mouth. dude. Yeah. That is fucking That's money. That's money. Um, I listened to that song. I really, really, really didn't like that one. It definitely sounded like a Shrek 2 song. Um, and then... <laughs> Nothing compares are, to the original Shrek soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, anyway, there's... I, you know, they're still a band, so good, you know, cheers for them for the longevity. Um, I will fast forward to, like, a slightly more tabloid thing. Uh, it was discovered last year that uh, Duritz was on Tinder, uh, and someone uh, <laughs> saw him on Tinder oh, and leaked that. his profile. Um, I will say he looked good for 50, and if you <laughs> were to on go... Him? If you were to swipe on him, he would probably write a song about you, so... <laughs> she swiped <laughs> on me. All. Yeah, <laughs> would dull. I mean, uh, but, but yeah. would you, dog? Would you? Would I? Um, probably not. Hell okay. no! <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, there's way hotter dudes out there. Um, yeah. All right. So, what what else we got on that before we fuck? Because because well, they're, they're the only know, act that we've noticed that has used the baby grand piano besides Bruce Hornsby. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, they're okay. all good musicians. Yeah, know. no, okay, they play good. I have a note here. It's like very album quality stuff. There is a small bass flub that happens, but every single mm -hmm. band that is going to play on that stage is going to have at least one sound issue, no matter what. That's yeah. our that's the like a safe bet rule. I think the only right. people that didn't was maybe Kid Rock, and there might have even been like a time where wait when you say out. when you say yeah. bass flub, do you mean like it like the bass fucked up, or do you mean like the bass player looks? Like, like a fucking moron. <laughs> no, there's a bass flub on stage. Yeah, take a look at this no, bass player. That'd be a bass. Schlub. He showed. He showed um, up, and someone gave him a two to three x extra large tie dye <laughs> shirt. He looks like a man midget, it, and he also kind of looks like our friend Ethan. Which wouldn't be a problem if he actually was a little person, but the fact that he was a full grown person that, wearing, that somehow yeah. managed to make himself look like that that is the problem that's appropriation and i won't stand for it uh so <laughs> on the stage you can spot a old school bottle of lemon lime powerade just chilling on the uh yeah just chilling on the piano I see I, that in the notes yeah, yeah I, I thought i'd i thought i'd mention that uh and the crowd throughout is pretty mellow i mean it, it's not like a mosh band it doesn't have any there's no distortion to like it's gear the, them up it's for the ladies and shit right totally but, but but they are they are like a super popular band so they are the crowd response is very positive right and they come right out the gates with their hit mr jones mr. so jones. it's just like yeah. bam like here's the hit you know but then they they obviously had some other hits but the crowd mm -hmm. still gets a little too fucking crazy because what you start seeing as the day goes on is the shade like as the sun moves shade starts building in the front rows of the crowd so everyone's trying to get up into that shade and the difference between the people in the sun and the people in the shade is like fucking crazy because it's so bright it's so hot this is right. the peak of the afternoon so everyone's pushing forward and he actually like kind of you wouldn't expect this in a counting crows set like the moment where like everyone needs to chill out but there is that moment so we're gonna listen to that really quick hey Hey, y'all should be careful out there. If you push forward too much, the people in the front are just going to get squished. You know, you might want to think about it. Just, like, try not to lean forward too much because all these people are turning blue. It's, it's a cool color, but it's fucked up. So try and, like, be careful about it. Yeah, now, if you guys don't push, we'll all come out there. Okay, okay here we go. That's the most chill attempt at <laughs> yeah, he didn't mean that, it. We're, that we've heard so far. I mean, he's he was very subdued in his <laughs> attempts. 
Uh, yeah. Um, another. Maybe maybe that's the way to go. I don't know. Well, I you know it's like because that guy. I mean, what the fuck would he, what would you have to do to piss off the guy from Counting Crows so much that to get him to like yell at the crowd on stage? Like, <laughs> I had the answer to that question. Break up with him. Fuck his girlfriend. Oh my god. <laughs> fuck this. She. No, I, I don't know. <laughs> she. Yeah. Coffee core guys. She. They, they don't. They don't scream. She. Um, so then you can also spot a bunch of shoulder titties. Uh, I think it's just mostly due to how hot it is. It's, it's not so much like a celebratory thing anymore, or people just have their tops ripped off and then taken from them. Uh, cause it's, you know, we're at day two now. Things are really starting to get gnarly. And in just a couple more episodes of your favorite podcast, podcast 99, we're going to get to the gnarliest, uh, part probably. So hang tight for that. But Oh, and this is a kind of a premonition for that. There's a one particular pair of shoulder titties stand out because the word nookie is airbrushed over them. Yeah. And it, that's <laughs> it's something uh, I, I got a little video of that. And hopefully Instagram will let us put it on there. But it's pretty funny. It's like that, like classic, like spring break airbrush font design. All of and it just says nookie like. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. Well, she's getting ready for one of the other big for, acts of the day. For Limp Bizkit, that's oh, right. Yeah. So uh, I, I have here his vocal style and a lot of the songs, especially some of like the deeper cuts they play, is very like kind of like that tragically hip like pseudo spoken word. Like, and then we were just kids, you know, just hanging out in a car, no, but he, man. But he, and he, he does like some booze. And- he does like the like Smiths like or like the Morrissey like uh Cure thing where he doesn't really change the range of his voice at all. It's all like. Is that what the cure and, and Morrissey sounds like to you? Yeah, it's all one dimension. <laughs> it's like one no, one note, and then you deviate from the one note, and you come back. Well, I I, it, I could see it. That. It worked. Uh, Trust me, it, it worked for them, I guess. But uh, oh, uh, another good thing they show the pay per view cameras focus on uh, drum stock, which if you guys remember from past episodes, we've mentioned it's this uncanny, this this crazy, uh, unbelievable group of people that from the start of the festival fucking started banging on trash cans and oh yeah there's know, the some ground stuff, yeah, yeah yeah and like anything they could find to make into a drum and then whatever they could find to beat on these you know makeshift drums and that went on the entire festival like i don't think the people ever went to sleep or anything because one thing that we found out uh doing a little more research was that once the campgrounds filled up you were people were just camping like on the grounds of the festival basically so like i <laughs> these people never really had to leave uh, but they show some some good drum stock footage, uh, just kind of like an update on them. Uh, they are still going. Uh, we we talked about this. He mentions being from Berkeley like a million times. Uh, we get it. Um, yeah, he does a song. There's a song about California. I mean, I just kind of no. That's where I re- is I mean, well, I don't know. He just <laughs> says California like a million times. I I just it got pretty rough at the end. I mean, I have nothing more to say about it other than there is this little clip we found of uh some people desperately chanting for water <laughs> which we yes, would play that real quick yeah so it's like stuff like that where it's like it's just i guess that's how deep we've gotten into this thing where i'm just like watching this counting crow set but then i'm like oh did you hear that like i heard someone yeah, scream exactly. for water like one time and then like i get excited again you know i focus way more on they watching are, they the are hosing them off a little bit though they're, they're, yeah they got the hoses yeah. out the, the peace patrol definitely you know not, but i mean you know, that hose it only goes so far not, right you know but, what i mean yeah. you know and then like yeah, and i mean you would guess that maybe like where the cameras or the audio 
that's actually picking this up like this might not be near the stage or something like that that chant might only be picked up because it's near like a camera out in the middle of the right. crowd or who knows where it's actually coming from i don't know i, I bet it's the people i think it's like er, I just everybody everybody <laughs> uh, yeah. but yeah you almost don't notice anymore but like it's little reminders like that because again like this set is so mellow there's like really nothing left to say about it except for uh the fact that they bring out members of one of the emerging artist stage bands, uh, the Gigolo Aunts, and uh, they yeah. they play one uh, very uncomfortable song together. Yeah, that's, but that's hanging around. But that's even, hanging around. Actually. Yeah. But even yeah. during this like really just like mellow whatever set in the middle of the day, shit is still going really bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's starting to get worse. It's, everything is is brewing, and it's like. Yeah, I mean, I guess if every single act was like Counting Crows, a disaster would have been averted, you know, averted. But this is just like this weird, like, ruse. Like, okay, it's chill. It's chill because this band's chill. But, you know, as we know, that's not nearly enough to stop, you know, what's no. going to happen later. No, and then also, if you were anywhere near the stage, it would take you, like, a good you know, half an hour just to get away from the crowd, like just to make your way through everybody. So there's probably tons of people that weren't there to see this, you know, the, these bands or, or whatever, you know, a lot of, in a lot of these instances, but they're stuck there. So like, that's why you right. see like weird unruly shit happening during like the most chill of, of sets because it's just yeah. everywhere you go, there's just like hooligans that are trapped uh, and people are getting fucking pissed. Um, so at the end of the set though, the cameras, you know, the pay-per-view camera goes to the crowd like it often does at the end of these sets. Um, and you can see, like, a group of guys, like, total just, like, frat guys that thought they would be funny if they all went to Woodstock 99 wearing white briefs. And so, like, this they're all, This is the like, only time we've seen this, too, I want to say. Oh, like that frat guy costume thing? Yeah, and they all have surgical masks, too, I think, right? Fucking weird as hell. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, like, you know, like, all, like, you could tell they're, like, bros. And they're, like, dude, yeah, no, we're all going to wear underwear one day. I don't know. That's weird. That's, like, girls trip stuff. Um, but anyways, so that, that's where that one ends. That's the end of the Counting Crows set as, as far as we see it. So next, yep. and, and we're, and we're going to stay on the East stage now, uh, because again, we, we kind of bounced around a little bit. So like during this time, Everclear would have been playing on the West stage, but we already covered them. Mm -hmm. So we're staying on the East stage yep. now. It's about 4:45 ish, uh, maybe five o'clock. And we have the coffee core masters, the Dave Matthews band. The the what did you say, Ryan? The black flag of coffee core. Yes, yeah. If they're <laughs> yeah, they're the black flag, like maybe God. even the minor threat of of coffee core. I don't um, know. If sure. I like the, that. The, the, the the originators of, of the of that particular uh, core, but uh, yeah. I, and I didn't go too far into their background or anything because there's just some really like like there's one particularly funny ass bad story that I want to focus on uh, more than anything, but they were formed in 1991 in Charlottesville, Virginia. The band was made of the, uh, the five original members that up until recently, uh, well, only within like the last 10 years or so, they, it was that same lineup. Uh, they've just recently changed. Uh, it's Dave Matthews leading the band with on guitar and vocals. You have Leroy Moore on sax, Carter Buford on drums, Stefan Lessard on bass, and Boyd Tinsley on violin. That's the Woodstock 99 lineup of the Dave Matthews Band. Um, their first show is believed to have been at a, uh, I don't know if you guys are going to believe this, at an Earth Day festival uh, in, in <laughs> 1991. Shocking. Um, and, you know, they had a lot of success. They were huge. Again, they, they were kind of the leaders of this new genre that we would see all these bands like, you know, Counting Crows, Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, um, 
I, I mean, there, there's, there was tons and tons of that stuff. And then you had like all the, I mean, like, you had a lot of female artists doing huge. that stuff too. And you had the Lilith Fair and everything. So there was this huge drive for this kind of more like less jammy, but still, you know, like there's like a bluegrass influenced like alt rock folk thing happening in the 90s. And right. Dave Matthews was definitely at the forefront of that. Um, you know, they won tons of awards. They've had their songs in all sorts of movies and TV and everything else. And they had a really good spot, you know, and their, their crowd is huge. But before we get to their set, tragedy struck in 2008 when their uh, saxophone player, Leroy Moore, was injured in an ATV accident. Uh, those injuries would soon after kill him. And in 2018, their violinist, Boyd Tinsley, was fired from the band after being accused of sexual misconduct by several men, including his lawyer, who he had accused of embezzling some of his money. That was a whole other scandal. And then he came out that, oh, no, you're just... It, it was like a blackmail thing at first, and then a bunch of other people came out and said, no, he, like, you know, he grabs at you and, and makes you really uncomfortable and... So they fired him. So now the Dave Matthews band is all, all new folks. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And it's also kind of uh, frightening because that violin player is fucking cut the fuck up. He is so buff. <laughs> that, that's one thing that I'm going to say about like uh, the drummer and, and the bass player. These guys look like fucking action heroes. Like they are so, yeah. but like they're they're the reason why fucking Rambo. No one would no one would ever say shit about Dave Matthews band to to his fucking face. Because fucking these guys will just come out of nowhere and fucking <laughs> clock you, dude. Like one guy looks like fucking Ving. Like the drummer's like got like a Ving Rhames, like fucking like serious buff guy <laughs> thing going, and he chews gum he the entire set. And, shit. and I'll say this too: their drummer is a beast. Like I mean, he might be one of oh, the yeah. best drummers at the festival, let alone in America, still playing right now. I'm gonna go that far with that guy. He's insane, and their violin player is really good too. And he's wearing he's up for best dress in my opinion. He's got a leather vest, <laughs> leather pants, no shirt. And again, this guy's cut the fuck up. And he's got it's sunglasses like a Blade on. extra. He, yo, he looks like Blade. Yeah, he's like a stand-in. But like Wesley Snipes is like, no, nah, we need to get like a fatter, uglier one. Like, we can't we can't have this guy. He looks too fucking good. Uh, yeah, he's insane. And he's an insane violin player. It's a shame that uh, he had to go the other way, you know? Um, and, and, yeah. and, you know, make the decisions that he made. Uh, but. Then you have their bass player, nerdy white dude. Looks like he'd be in Dave Matthews' band. You have Dave Matthews himself, yeah. who, uh, looks like, yeah. yeah, you know, who, who's wearing like looks pajama like pants. Dave Matthews. And, and uh, yeah, he has these weird like, gr like brown like plaid pattern, but they look like they're like like soft, like they don't look like dress pants. No, they like, really. like PJ pants with a zipper. Yeah, yeah. And then they, and then like does those not look comfortable. Like the like the kind of like Doc Martin like dress shoes that like a a cooler quote unquote professor would wear or something. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean, where they're not boots, they're like the big clunky shoes. Uh but I'm glad you said yeah. the word brown because that reminded me. In 2005, uh the Dave Dave <laughs> Matthews bus driver pled guilty to illegally dumping the contents of the bus's septic tank into a river right above where a fucking open top sightseeing boat was coming under and it covered the passengers mm -hmm. in the waist of the dave matthews band yeah so oh, i remember that yeah that's yeah, beautiful that was, that's oh pretty my crazy God. yeah and those guys <laughs> really they look like they all the, eat the you know what i mean like <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs>
matter who it is. And, and like, Dave Matthews had any, any buildup of septic <laughs> waste is gonna be brutal. Yeah, no, yeah, band. it's like Joe Dirt. I mean, the timing of that is like that's like a kind of like one in a million. I no, thing. yeah, and of course like, it would happen uh-huh. to Dave Matthews, man. Like if it was like Limp Bizkit, everyone would be like, dude, those like they did that shit on purpose, huh? But Dave, they're just like, oh, like it's just like yeah. this weird like sombering, like yeah. But they also had their own uh, flavor of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, and I bet they were just shitting and eating tons of that uh, at the time. I mean, they probably just like kept that shit stocked. Sh- so much so that I bet oh, the poop, there's a chance it could have still been cold. Um, all right, so their set, I'm going to say, has the most 69 vibes of almost any set that we've seen so far. Um, just Tons of jamming. Yeah, just through jamming, crowd jamming, participation, jamming. the sound of it all. Um the, the the songs the content everything you know what I mean it's it's yeah. mostly driven by acoustic guitar but the again there's a lot of jamming going on by the members of his band the sax player is crazy yeah. really adds another I mean, layer they all rip yeah. yeah it's it's definitely like the Hornsby where like even if it's not your thing I mean at least you're like wow they're all like really good though I will I mean Hornsby at least I think I like his singing a lot oh definitely better. yeah no Dave um, Matthews singing is the about- problem yeah. Yeah, there's something weird about yeah, it. But sure. yeah, the first the first the first song is ten minutes long, and and I'm looking at their set and it's only like nine songs in an hour. Yeah, so well they're like they, yeah they're super fucking jamming. long. Yeah, well and and right when he comes out though, uh, you know everyone's getting tuned up and and you know getting their levels going and and starting to jam a little bit. And Dave Matthews is talking back and forth to the sound guy. He he's having a, some trouble, and I guess it was with his monitors. And he even mentions it to the crowd. Uh, and this is. You know, it's not the the most you know captivating uh, clip we've ever played, but it is worth noting because it keeps you know helps us keep track of all the technical issues that were going on. No matter how big the band was, no matter what day, it's like you think that they got everything figured out after the first day, but then all the bands the next day are a completely different animal. So uh, here's Dave Matthews recovering from his technical difficulty. Sorry, I just can't hear myself, but I can hear y'all. That's okay. Yeah, so, you know, it's an in-ear monitor thing. Uh, There's a lot going on on stage. But still, I'm not cutting any of the tech guys any fucking slack now because they're halfway through the second, the the third day, really, because there was the pre-show. Like, they should have had this all worked out. Um, Our survivor, Tony B, on the show, I forgot who he says, but he he misspoke uh, because I asked him about this. He saw Dave Matthews. Instead of saying Dave Matthews, he says uh, another artist's name who didn't actually play Woodstock. But, you know, we know... From his story that details are hazy at best um that's fine though so don't t- imagine just if you go back and listen to the tony b episode imagine that dude like chilling with his pocket beers watching dave matthews <laughs> 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 like that's what he was doing dude straight up warm beer <laughs> what? like with a pocket but full I of cash that, but i think that is kind of like i mean that is part i mean obviously you have the really hardcore dave matthews fans and that's why i mean this band is still popular but i feel like part of like that's kind of the whole thing with like instrumental virtuosity is like you can like part of a dave matthews set is you can have like a hundred frat guys like with pocket beers and they're just like dude did you just see that drummer like holy <laughs> you know and like and if you just keep that going i mean that's you can get you can get fans you can get new like fans that. yeah for sure because like i mean yeah. look at us i there's very little to actually talk shit on. Like I'm like searching from like, okay, like it's Dave Matthews. I spent like a good part of my life talking shit on this band without ever actually listening to them really. And then you watch this hour long set. And again, the drummer just sold it for me, dude. He's like a fucking octopus. It's like, he's got eight fucking arms. It's insane. Yeah. 
Um, so d- I, I think for me, it's it's the vote, it's the vocals. It's not even necessarily the lyrics or like it's just one of those things that it's just. I think that, and maybe this is also part of why he's so big, where it's like a love it or hate it thing. Like I feel like people that love his music love the sound of his voice totally, but I feel like. There's the other thing for me where it's like it, it's it's really hard to like truly get in there because of just the way he sings and these weird and because, you know, he's South African born. I don't know if there's something about the South African like, you know, his where he grew up mixed with like being from Virginia or something. I don't, but I it don't, just makes, I don't it's think South strange, Africa has anything to do with Dave Matthews. Uh, I mean, existence. well, I've listened to interviews of him. It's I feel like his interviews, he has that slight accent. But I mean, I don't know. He just ta- he talks really weird. Yeah, he's got he's got, got marble. Like, he got marble him. mouth. It, it, it's he's got a weird thing going. Yeah. On. Okay. So the, talking about their gear really quick. Drummer, gigantic drum set. Violin player, crazy blade style electric violin. Uh, sax guy, obviously, just has a sax and bass guy. Has like got these stacks and he's kind of stand like his stance in, in front of his stacks. It's kind of reminiscent of like if you've ever seen Lightning Bolt, like when the bassist just stands in front of these like gigantic speakers and and like except it's Dave Matthews. But later in the set, the bassist does take a solo that's like pretty fucking sick. It's like fuzzed out like metal solo <laughs> yeah. and it, it is pretty tight. But uh, and yeah, I mentioned that the drummer's chewing gum uh, the entire time. Uh, Dave's guitar, his acoustic guitar, does not have a hole in it. What's that all about, guys? I, I don't know about guitars. Yeah. What's that all about? It's acoustic electric. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a half. It's like a half size. Acoustic electric. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Oh my god. So after almost every song he plays, which again there aren't that many, uh, as as Parks pointed out, because they're like ten minutes long each. Um, and but he doesn't waste any time in between songs. He barely says anything. He actually barely says any fucking real words. After any song, and uh, yeah. I'm going to show you almost every example of this because it's just like, what the fuck? Because you play these huge songs with all these parts, and everyone's like super skilled, and you can tell that they're like smart guys, and he's got these lyrics that are obviously really connecting to people, and everyone's enjoying it, and then he just like barks. Uh, it, it's, it, yeah, mm-hmm. so l- just check it out. This is uh, after the first song. It's like an alien is controlling him, and like he's able to like like override the controls to play a song, and then afterwards, like, no, we need to ruin the set. He's like, ar, ar, ar. like, yeah. I mean, you know I remember I mean? in high school, like, yeah. <laughs> people when I would hang, like, when people in high school listen to it, you know, like they have that kind of culty, like people trade like live Dave Matthews tapes, and I always remembered that. Like it would just kind of come out of nowhere. Like he does that a lot. Like I, th- I feel like that's another little weird thing that like fans really like is that he makes like weird nonsense noises. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's it's totally weird. Um. Oh, I have a note here. It says Dave looks like a guitar teacher that would be into Dave Matthews. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the shoulder titties start coming out again around the fourth song, and unfortunately, when that happens, you start seeing some gropes happening. And I, f- I failed to mention, but uh, towards the end of the Counting Crows set, there's also like a really obvious grope that's that's on the pay per view feed, um, and it just goes to show you, like I said, there's. 
fucking hooligans trapped in these this crowds. Is, this is rampant. Yeah, it, it's yeah. just completely it's all over terrible. them. To where, and then it's mob mentality, to where so many people are doing it that other people are like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna squeeze one too." It's just like, God damn it, and like it never ends. Yeah, and then the ca- and the camera's like, "Hey, that's cool." And that's why let's put that on pay per view. Like, and I, like I mean, we've been keeping track of it, but I don't know if you guys noticed, but this is every single band we've talked about. You know what I mean? There, there's yeah. not a single band that we've mentioned that doesn't have an on-camera sexual assault. It's fucking crazy. And that's crazy. just on camera. Right, so. that's just on camera. Ex- exactly. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, oh, uh, we, we got, so that brings us to the end of the other song where we got more strange Dave Matthews uh, noises. So here we go. Thank you all very much. Another another song, another strange outburst of noise. Uh, it's uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know what, <laughs> what what it is about that. But he also uh, this is very of the time. Uh, it seems like we can't escape Austin Powers uh, in Woodstock '99, whether it be appearances by Vern Troyer. Then. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. I mean, it was the biggest thing ever. And the second one had just come out, which was like you know a cultural fucking moment <laughs> in in america i feel like right uh like uh, only until borat came out did people stop you know quoting wow. austin powers like, wow that's true. funny you know oh, what i mean yeah. but it's all the same guys like they just switched like do i make you horny to like my wife like they just like, <laughs> like, like overnight they woke up like as borat like austin powers went to bed and woke up as borat uh but a- anyway so if you've seen austin powers too there's the scene where the uh dr evil ship is flying through the sky and everyone's like hey it looks like a big and then it switches to like a guy like wieners get your wieners here or like, you know that scene oh, right yeah so yes yeah dave matthews points out a blimp in the sky and he's like huh you know well okay it, listen to what he says and you guys can tell me if you think this is an austin powers 2 reference uh it, here you go wait but wait a minute but wait what's that up in the sky it looks like a b- great it looks like a great big johnson that's right. definitely it's a, definitely an yeah. Austin Powers two reference. It's a Brick Johnson, but also like I like how he got the quote wrong. <laughs> like, like he kind of just like made it his own. <laughs> he's just probably stoned. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely a, a, a weed a weed smoker. He actually actually good. Uh, interesting, you say that because right here I have he mentions at one point that it's a good day to smoke a little bit of that something. Which like people are like, it is a good day to smoke some meth. Like they, they just like misunderstood and <laughs> fucking oh. <laughs> Maybe I will try smoking this coke. Uh, but yeah, and so uh, also this is the best part of the Dave Matthews set. This is something that we've talked about forever, uh, and now we finally get to drop it on you guys. Yeah. This is Dave Matthews being so overwhelmed by the titties that he's seeing that he has to mention it. Sometimes there's an abundance of things and sometimes there's a lack. Today there's an abundance of titties. An abundance of titties. <laughs> Dude, an abundance. Yeah, yeah That's I what... bet that violin player was like, ew. See, using words like... <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Girls. Uh, <laughs> but... uh. Him using the word abundance instead of saying, like, there's a lot of titties out there. That's why Dave Matthews gets paid the big bucks. Okay. <laughs> like, like <laughs> not so, we have not seen someone so elegantly put it, except for maybe Jamiroquai saying breasts, breasts. 
But Dave Matthews. Except for he sounds really weird and creepy. Because he fucking is. Because <laughs> he fucking is. I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate like, it. Oh, God. It's An abundance. There was definitely, he is correct. There was definitely not a lack of titties. There was, in fact, an abundance of titties. Uh, that- There's something about, yeah, trying to throw in like a word like that to make it somehow less crass that just makes it like creepier. <laughs> I don't know. He's yeah, yeah. I don't know. He, he he doesn't wear it right, but uh, yeah. So then, right after he says that, tons of gratuitous pay per view titty shots. Uh, again, every once in a while, you'll you'll see a grab, but for the most part, it's just like good hearted fun. Um, they play their song "Tripping Billies," which it, I don't know what the fuck that is, but it it uh, it's on the Woodstock '99 VHS DVD, the official mm-hmm. release. That's the song that they show from him. And there's a big hit. There's a song where the lyric is like, "Eat and be merry, or drink and be merry, for tomorrow we all die." And like he says it over and over, "Tomorrow we all die." And I was just like, "Fuck, man!" Like that the actual tomorrow of that day was Sunday. The meltdown of Woodstock '99. Like it's just like I don't know. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, but again, we've watched so much Woodstock '99 shit that this is how we think now. <laughs> like, we, uh, yeah. The only other he covers uh, "All Along the Watchtower," right. which is a Dylan song, but was made popular by Jimi Hendrix. So yeah, and a little connect there. No, definitely. Yeah, like I said, '69 vibes. And then the bassist, yeah, rips out a crazy fuzzed out solo towards the end there. Like they all kind of take solos. Um, and I mean, he's just like. It, it it's pretty sick. Uh, it reminds me of my my first band or my second band. I don't know which one. I don't know. Fuck it. I was in a band that sounded like that. <laughs> I, I was in a band that sounded like Dave Matthews' band. <laughs> but yeah, just, where but, are you going with this? I don't know. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, you mean the the sound like you were in a band that sounded like just like the Dave Matthews fuzz bass solo. <laughs> Absolutely. That is that is <laughs> gotcha. the, that's what I meant. Thank you. So when he does oh, all yeah. along the watchtower, it shows the crowd and this is awesome. There's a guy dressed as Santa Claus being crowd surfed. <laughs> and it's like, dude, first of all, it's hot as fuck. Second of yeah. all, that guy is on acid, dude. The only people dressed like Santa Claus at Woodstock are on fucking acid. There's no other explanation. <laughs> he's probably still around. Oh, he's yeah, he's he's like like he's when they announced Woodstock 50, it. he like pulls it out. It's like in the dry cleaner sheet. He's like, well, friend, oh. <laughs> one more ride. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> but uh, then uh, what what happens, like his, his final goodbye comes. And, you know, it's finally here. Let's hear the final goodbye. Thank you very much, But just like every other band that played, people are throwing shit on stage. And someone threw, this is a 90s fucking throwback nostalgia trip. You guys remember Nerf Vortex balls, like the footballs oh, yeah. with the fins? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they yeah, had yeah. The, the whistles whistle. yeah, on the yeah. side. Someone threw one of those at him. That's sick. <laughs> and he's like, you missed me. Like he says it like a, like a weird gangster. Kind of. <laughs> that was almost like a Caitlyn Jenner too. Like it's tough, but it's good. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's like, you missed me. And uh, then he goes back on stage and grabs it like, I'm going to toss this around with the guy. Like fuck yeah, and uh, like shows like one of the te- like stage guys, and he's like kind of gives him like a oh, like check it out like Nerf Vortex, and, like and then like walks off with it, and that concludes the Dave Matthews Band set at Woodstock '99. Uh. <laughs> so now Yeesh. we're gonna we're gonna up the tempo a little bit. Fuck yeah! And Josh is very excited because it's finally actually like stuff that uh, we can all say we genuinely. Like, 
we're back on the west stage now, the second stage. It's uh, about five o'clock in the in the evening, maybe a little bit after. And we have the legendary Ice Cube. Yeah, I don't really need to give much of an introduction to Ice Cube at this point. He's basically a household name. Um, but for those of you out there who have been living under a fucking rock for the last thirty years, I, I can tell you a little <laughs> bit about him real quick. So he was born O'Shea Jackson on June fifteenth, nineteen sixty nine, which would have made him, I want to say, a month shy of his 30th birthday at this yeah, point. Yeah, and he mentions the festival. that. And, and the and original Woodstock it. was going to happen like about a month after that. He, uh, one of the greatest, if just OGs of all time, and like just one of the greatest rappers ever in history. Yeah. Uh, he started a group called CIA in 84. That didn't really last that long. And then he in 87, he started... Uh, NWA. Which stands for Nice Guys with Attitude. Yes. And uh, he was the primary writer for that group. Uh, he wrote Easy E's raps. Uh, he, he was a huge part of that group. Um, but over money issues and things like that, he decided to leave. But before he left, he uh, dropped No Vaseline, which is also one of the most yeah. ruthless, <laughs> ruthless diss tracks <laughs> in the game. And, and Ice Cube, like, really was one of the first, like, angry fucking rapper. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no one, like, I mean, of course, no one had done what NWA was doing, and there was some, like, light gangster rap stuff that was coming out, but this wasn't gangster rap. This was, like, revolution fucking rap. Like, Public Enemy did Reality it, but even rap. they didn't sound as mean as fucking Ice Cube, and that's, like, that plays into the Woodstock 99 shit so much. Yeah. But we'll we'll get to that. So he goes solo after He goes NWA. solo, yeah. He releases his first solo album, America's Most Wanted, and uh, shortly after that, or maybe around the same time, uh, he was in Boys in the Hood, which is in 1991. Um, that was his yeah, breakthrough film. And that's the thing. It's like, that's why I say he's a household name now. It's because, you know, in 95, he wrote uh, the movie Friday. He wrote that whole series uh, all about the Benjamins. He was in that. Um, Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Yeah. There's, you <laughs> Are know, we there yet, too? Yeah. Things like that. <laughs> so, but, 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 you know. Before all of that, I mean, he really is yeah. a legend and is, uh, in my opinion, one of my favorite sets of this festival. It's good. Yeah, it's good. And it's very, it, it's quintessentially, like we always talk about 69 vibes. This is quintessentially 99 vibes. Yeah. This is right. fucking Woodstock 99 completely. Uh, so we got Rick Voss, Raspy 2, uh, Lil Raspy, Young Raspy announcer, uh, brings him out and announces Ice Cube. And before he comes out, he gets this little chant going, which is going to be featured throughout the entire set. And again, it just kicks it off with some purely 99 vibes. Let me hear you say, fuck you, Ice Cube. Let me hear you say, fuck you, Ice Cube. Wait a minute, man. That ain't loud enough. Let me hear you say, fuck you, Ice Cube. Yeah, just getting everyone nice and nice and rowdy. Just get them riled up. Yeah, yeah. and and when he when he comes out, uh, he, he comes out. Uh, I think the first song he plays is "Natural Born Killers." But, yeah. But first, he talks about how he was born in '69, like right around the time of the original Woodstock. He's like, and 30 years later, I'm not only at this motherfucker, I'm playing, I'm this, playing motherfucker. this motherfucker. Yeah. yeah and uh, yeah, so he res he respects it, man. No, totally, he, he gets it. It was a big deal. I mean, Woodstock is a big fucking deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I, that's the thing. Like, and I mean, now it seems like a joke, but it only seems like a joke because '99 happened. If '99 had never happened, it would still be. 
the premier experience uh, one could have at a music festival, period. At least through perception. You know, not in reality, Mm -hmm. but that's what the perception was. Right. And and it's funny that you mentioned that because after this song, he goes and he plays uh, this song called Fuck Dying, which was uh, the single (laughs) off of uh, his album that he had put out in 98, uh, War and Peace Volume 1. And this is around the time where Ice Cube started adopting like the top hat, the very dark imagery, like oh, the yeah, long coat. Oh yeah, he wears a top hat at first, and it's things awesome. like that. Yeah, and um, he before '99, what's like '99? Uh, he went on the Family Values tour with Corn, and um, mm-hmm. on this song "Fuck Dying," they actually kind of helped him produce that song. But uh, he says something really interesting, and I kind of want to play this clip actually really quick um, before he introduces the song "Fuck Dying." I, I want to say that he says that this is like a a song for like this generation at the time. So let's yeah. take a listen to that. Come here, man. I see. You. Come here, man. <laughs> this is my homeboy from Corn, right here. That nigga look like he's from Inglewood or something. <laughs> Inglewood stock. <laughs> the reason I brought him out because the next song I'm about to do, they helped me put it together, and I call this one. This is the song for this generation, because I call it Fuck Dying. <laughs> Fuck Dying. Like, I feel like a 99 <laughs> vibe is more of like just dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he's saying die. like <laughs> Fuck Dying. So, I, um, Well, I feel like 99 vibes is Fuck Dying. Like, it's that's kind of the mentality. Yeah, they're like, we're not like, going to die of thirst out here. Dying Fuck isn't dying. an option. Yeah, dying isn't yeah. an option. Yeah. <laughs> We must survive this. I'm not going to die here. That's why we call all of the people we interview survivors. Um, But also, yeah, he brings Fieldy out from Corn for that. Uh, We we forgot to mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, again, yeah, but when he brings him out, he's like, he looks like he's from Inglewood. Oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm Because, you know, one thing uh, that we we mentioned was that Fieldy looks like he should have been in Limp Bizkit and Wes Borland looks like he should have been in Corn. It's it's like they switched members as like a goof. (laughs) <laughs> and then and then it just like stayed, uh, but anyways, yeah. So he, he plays fuck dying. Um, the Peace Patrol during this set, they're spraying people and stuff. But you can tell they are all one hundred percent Ice Cube fans. Like they are so right. fucking hype. They're all dancing. They're getting people stoked. Like put your fucking hands up, clap. Like at one point, one guy gives like a, a dude in the crowd a high five, like a strong like clench hand high five, and like it, it, they're just like they're going for it. Like everyone of every one of the security guards is so happy that they're there for the Ice Cube. Set. It's dope. It's a dope set. I mean, it, it it's fun. Right. And it, yeah. No, definitely. And uh, so it, after he does fuck dying, he gets everyone stoked. But then he's like, you know what? Fuck this shit. And he drops the fucking mic and he walks off stage and everyone's kind of like, huh? But it's like uh, Ice Cube's whole set is full of these weird little like skits. Yeah, like self-deprecating. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's like a skit. It's, it's weird. Um, but when he walks off stage, this is what happens. Hold up. Wait a minute. Man, these people ain't. I'm out of here, man. Peace, Woodstock. I'm gone. the fuck off the stage. Fuck that nigga. I want everybody to put their motherfucking middle finger up in the air like this. Every motherfucking body, and we gonna do this shit like this. Give me some music, bro.
yeah. it's definitely, you know, it, it's a skit. That, that's what it is. And it's just weird, though. And yeah, the whole thing, fuck Ice Cube. Like, he was just like, I, I mean, I know that he was probably toting that around at all of his shows, like, around that time. But again, like, just, it's so much different when it's, Woodstock 99 just hits different, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so funny to do yeah. shit like that <laughs> at, at fucking, at Woodstock, you know, to, to do stuff right. so yeah, fucking Mac, angry. Yeah, Mac 10, you know. Yeah, 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 because he has, okay, so on stage, he, he has with him a DJ, and then a hype man. The hype man is Mac 10, who was in his group. The yeah, West, Side West Side Connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he introduces him when they do, like, a West Side Connection song. Bow down. Um, but also, he mentions, uh, like, well, when he comes back on stage after the whole, after he walks off and everyone says, fuck you and shit, uh, he kind of has, like, a crowd rebuttal. And then he also mentions uh, DMX in, in, in this little piece here. Wait a minute. What the fuck did you say? Nigga, I said, fuck you, Ice Cube. What, nigga? Wait a minute. I heard you. But what the fuck did you say? Goddamn right. Okay. I see what's going on now. We must be on the West stage at Woodstock 1999 or something around this motherfucker. <laughs> they said after DMX they didn't want too what? much profanity on the first stage. But for everybody in this motherfucker who said fuck you Ice Cube You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Come on, yeah. everybody, come on. Yeah. Yeah, tone it down. You're going to tell Ice Cube from fucking NWA yeah. to tone it down. <laughs> like, like, But yeah, DMX, I mean, again, it's like you really get the feeling that like the guy, the promoters did not actually listen to a lot of these bands. And they just like looked yeah. at a list of like whatever, like they went into a CD store and whoever was on the new They're release- selling? Fucking rack, they just like booked them all. They're like, oh, Jewel, Limp yeah. Biscuit, uh, Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> uh, Dave Matthews Band, oh, Vertical Rising, sure, DMX. DMX. Yeah, yeah they like, they like, fuck it. People <laughs> like, I mean, if these are on the front rack, they gotta be big, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So, like, by the time they get to Ice Cube, they're like, okay, dude, we really need you to not cuss that much. And of course, right after that, being Ice Cube, uh, he busts into, you know, yeah, the, the song with, uh, you know the song with Mac Ten. They do some NWA stuff later. They play "Fuck the Police." Yeah, he plays. He plays. It was a good day before "Fuck the Police." Yeah, well, and when, <laughs> when he plays "It was a good day," the crowd goes off in the most positive way, and that is very '69 vibes. Yeah, and I would argue that having a song called "Fuck the Police" is very '69. I, I agree. Too, I was gonna so. say I was. Yeah. I, I, originally, wow. I, I was. I was gonna say that it's funny that to you know again that's one of those funny like dude you're at Woodstock moments but no that is truly in the spirit of Woodstock it's just in a well, 99 well, way that's of the thing it. is because there's the, there's really. the the 69 there's the 69 vibe of looking at it in the past of like oh this is like jammy hippie music but then there's the actual message like all that stuff was supposed to be the, the message was very rebellious at the right. time and yeah no, yeah, no definitely you can go with definitely that. yeah and uh, also, I have I have written down here. You can see tons of piff clouds. People are just <laughs> blowing piff, dude. Just like you just see, like it's like oh, it's like looking at a fucking uh, like a sulfur spring, just like or geysers, like like just every so often you're looking out at this crowd, and just like poof, poof, 
poof, poof. Just like giant some weed smoke clouds, like happen, like just erupting the entire time. It's it's a good time. It's it a great a, time. It was a no, good it's definitely, day. It, 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 was. it was a good day. Well, th- that's yet to be. It was a good set. Was a good There's going to be some people a that had set. a bad fucking day that day. It was a good 38 yeah, It was a gr- Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. It's a very short set. It's only, it's only what? Yeah, 38 minutes long. I feel like DMX's set was like 40. DMX played for like an hour. Uh, but th- this was short. I mean, the West Stage bands, though, it had shorter slots. Yeah. And also, like, Ice Cube fucking brings it, like, every second of Dude, this thing. it's amazing. Um, but one thing yeah. that you start seeing a new development in the crowd is the use of, like, condom balloons. Like, people are blowing up their condoms, which they were probably giving. Well, I know they were giving out for free at certain stands at Woodstock. And they're like making the little balloons out of them, and then like bopping them around, like passing them like a beach ball. But it's condoms. Uh, I I hadn't seen that done in the crowd before, but uh, there you have it. That's what they're they're putting those free condoms to good use. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and then Ice Cube, you know, he talks about you know Mac Ten. He's introducing him, and uh, Mac Ten says that there should have been an Inglewood stock, which. Inglewood which is stock. fun and that reminds me uh, and we're gonna do like a patreon episode about this uh sometime soon in the 70s there was a festival called watt stacks it wasn't in inglewood it was in watts in, in california and it was toted as the black woodstock and it was all funk groups and r&b stuff and like isaac hayes played and all, all sorts of different and richard pryor was the host uh richard pryor yeah he's i've seen Richard Pryor's clips. Yeah, really so like, I don't know when when I heard Inglewood stock, it just reminded me of Watt stacks, and I don't I don't think we've mentioned that before, but just in you know we like keeping track of all these Woodstock offshoots, um, so we'll we'll talk about that uh, another time. So yeah, uh, oh, you see a really good pair of shoulder titties. Not that the titties are good, uh, but the, it comes with a bonus pacifier necklace, so you know you <laughs> just got the fucking teeth grinder right there, just chattering. <laughs> that, that that's that's for the rave. They got Fat Boy Slim later tonight. Chick with the overbite. Yeah. <laughs> From fucking using the pacifier so much. Uh, he, he gets really, he gets the crowd really kind of angsty with this crowd participation bit. And this is a not good thing to do at Woodstock 99. Of course, no one knew that yet because we haven't really seen the like massive outburst of like violence that we're going to see later in this day. Um, but it's still very combative and probably wasn't the wisest idea. Uh, this is Ice Cube getting everyone riled up at one point. Let me hear you say, party over here, fuck you over there. Say, party over here, fuck y'all over there. Boo, that was weak. I defected. That's all fun and games. It is all fun and games if you were at a show where that was the thing. When you're at Woodstock '99, you know what? It's, it's really good crowd work too, though. Like, no, not totally. A lot of people oh yeah, get, well yeah. everyone loves. It's good crowd work, but you have to have some, you know. There's got to be that safety net, you know. Like, what's the mosh thing? Like, someone falls down in the pit, you gotta right. pick them yeah, up. Yeah. What about fuck dying? <laughs> but but <though>? Woodstock, <laughs> a few too many people didn't get picked. Yeah. up. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's not like he did like the whole, like because they do like that sea parter pit at like giant metal festivals where like they get everyone like. Literally, like Braveheart pit. Oh, yeah, the wall, yeah, of, wall death. of death. Yeah, that's what it is. Wall of yeah. death. I've seen Dude, that. It's great. Yeah, Dude, YouTube that shit. Oh, I've seen you guys so at many home, wall of death. you should YouTube yeah. wall of death videos and then play like the Benny Hill theme yeah. over it. It's it's a good time. <laughs> do like a do like a, a metal festival in Germany. Yeah, mocking thing. But uh. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So he's doing that. And it's just like because the thing is, right, like if this was at family values, everyone kind of respects the mosh culture that are at a big show like that. So it wouldn't have been a big deal and it all would have been in good fun. At Woodstock 99, you have all these people that 
aren't involved in any of that stuff that are just fucking hooligans that are there to be bad and there to do bad shit. And they're not respecting the culture behind that kind of crowd work. They're just like, like, I bet you there was at least one fight that actually broke out from that. Just like two of the drunkest guys were like, no, seriously, right. fuck you. Well, there was, yeah, there was, there. There, there was definitely a mosh pit during. Oh, yeah. Then there's here. a mosh pit. Yeah. And uh, like, if you look at it, mm-hmm. you can tell it's like a lot of people's first pit, like a lot of grown adults, like first, first <laughs> mosh pit. But it, it definitely goes. Uh, and then you can see someone waving an American flag that has a giant portrait of like a Native American elder on it. Whoa. Uh, the entire time with just piff clouds popping up all around that motherfucker. And uh, you can also see, see, we're starting to see costumes now. And I think this might be like the gate crashers because how are you going to get a Darth Vader helmet? In. Like this guy literally is wearing a Darth Vader helmet in the pit. Yeah, he's got like a NBA jersey on too <laughs> yeah. or yeah. Dude, he's yeah. tall. It's like Grace like, the duality like, of man. Hovers over that crowd. It's crazy. And then there's a guy in a full on fucking Elvis costume, which is great. And then you have my favorite staple of Woodstock '99. You see lots of this in all the footage. You have the shirtless, like buff chubby guy like the stocky dude who's wearing like a giant novelty hat. And he's got a giant novelty Uncle Sam hat. And like, yeah, or like the cat in the hat. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I was thinking, like, you really that don't see shit. guys like oh, that man. at festivals too much anymore. Like, those are always the rowdiest ones, the ones that are like passed out drunk on the grass, like face down, and everyone's just like, oh, like stepping over them. But I, I think it's because like <laughs> hillbillies like that, like the shirtless Uncle Sam hat guys, they've been priced out of being able to go to festivals. <laughs> Like that, like, <laughs> like, that, like that's like that's some gatecrasher shit. Like that's what I like because uh, I was thinking about that. I was like, how did that it's guy like, scrape together the amount of money that it was? But then I was like, you know what? He probably didn't. He probably just walked the fuck yeah. in with his big ass hat. Or like the banana. Yeah, suit. banana. I've definitely banana. seen a dude in a full on <laughs> banana suit. God damn it! Point. Those see acid. That, dude, those are I acid went to people. high school with a guy who always wore a banana. Costume. Oh fuck, man! <laughs> dude, did he plow? Plow? Yeah, like, like did, did bang. Get, yeah, did he get chicks? Mm. <laughs> I think that's a no. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then Ice Cube, you know, it's getting towards the end of his set. He mentions uh, that there's some. He he knew that there was sex and drugs at the original Woodstock, but he wanted to know if there was sex and drugs at '99. So we're gonna listen to a little bit of this this uh, sex drug rant. I heard on the first Woodstock. There's a lot of sex and drugs going on. Sex and drugs going on. Well, everybody, if you like the fuck, throw your hands up. (laughs) God damn. Okay. So we know the sex is still going on. But I don't smell no chronic. What the fuck is up? Who got the chronic? Who got the chronic? My philosophy is uh, blaze one for the nation. Uh huh. You know, just just good good crowd work. Again, though, if they are having sex, they're not doing it with protection because everyone's making those goddamn condom balloons. Yeah, all the condoms are flying and just, around. Yeah, and just bobbing them around stage. It's it's fucking crazy. Uh, and his last song is uh what's it called it's called wicked yeah and i was i have right here. I was gonna it's s- all about the wicked shit yeah i was gonna say too that um i'm i'm i'm, I'm gonna i want to say that like the relationship with corn also started because on uh their corn's album life is peachy they covered the song oh they cut co- wow yeah so corn yeah corn oh, so. and ice cube they go they go way back they go back um so yeah and it's and ice cube was on follow the leader on the song children of the corn 
So, uh, uh yes, yeah. that, that's that's there's, true. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of connections. There. Definitely, yeah. Um, so yeah, the song is definitely all about the wicked shit, which is interesting because like we had ICP on the first day when we talked about uh Kid Rock and we were talking about like Detroit hip hop and the start of the wicked shit. Like you have, you know, like Esham is the creator of the wicked shit. This is like a very like Eshami type song. It's a very it's it is the wicked shit. It's tight. Yeah, it's the wicked shit. It's it's got that kind of vibe to it. Um, but that concludes the legendary Ice Cubes set at Woodstock '99. Um, and again, you know, just half an hour. You know, that, that's all it is. It's good. So, so this is an easy one to watch. It, it's fun. Um, but you know, it's uh, we would have made him a legend. I feel like if he played for an hour, or if he had played on the E stage, he's already that, a that, legend. That that, that, that yeah, yeah, and he's already a legend. It, it's it, it's a different. I mean, come on, he was an anaconda. Yeah. Oh fuck, <laughs> dude, you are so right. Yeah, with Jello. Yeah. Um, J- <laughs> Jello. <laughs> all right. So as always, uh, we we like to cover the emerging artist stage, the hanger. Uh, if you guys heard our last episode, we put out we talked to an emerging artist, uh, Steve from the band Reveille. You gotta check that one out. It's uh, it's a good insight into the the abandoned stepchild stage of Woodstock '99. Um, so the first band to play in this slot again, which is you know kind of right between like four thirty to six o'clock ish, you have Strange Folk. Uh, we've talked about them. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. they're back. <laughs> it's like fucking Pet Cemetery. Yes. What you put on the pre-show ain't what you get on the emerging artist stage. <laughs> but uh, then you know again, there's there's really no video of any of the emerging artist uh, stuff. There's there's a couple, but like Full Metal or Full Devil Jacket. But the, none for strange folk, and that's for the best. And I'm not going to go too far into them. You can just go back and re-listen to the episode that we talked about them on uh, before. But then this one's interesting. We have DDT, and yes, they are named after the the pesticide, the rat poison, or the wrestling move, or the wrestling. Well, which is also named after that because it stops you dead in your tracks. That's that's what he said. <laughs> dude, that's what he said, <laughs> dude. He's like, when you ever seen a rat have DDT? They drop dead right there. Uh, so DDT, they are a popular rock band from Russia. Now, we talked about the Tragically Hip being like the REM of Canada. You know what I mean? Like the, the nation's alt-rock heroes. DDT is that in Russia. They were formed in 1980, so they've been around for 19 years when they played the emerging artist stage at Woodstock 99. Um, they're, you know, emerging. Yeah, emer- but that's the thing. You know, I mean, they were trying to break some of these bands. Well, to America. Yeah, they're trying to break I mean, some of these, some of these bands. They figured, of... you know, if you've been around for this long, you've done this well elsewhere, maybe we'll try you. In America, uh, DDT did not take off, but uh, yeah. And if you listen to it, you're like, oh, it's like kind of sounds like REM. And the guy's just like Morshvich, like, and it's like fucking some like insane. You know, Russia is a you know Russians a very um, it can be a harsh language at times. So, anyways, there yeah. And the former Soviet Union is, is where they became known nationally after they entered a talent contest for a newspaper, um, and, and they won that the talent contest, and that allowed them to record what was known as official music because in con- in you know a communist country, all the media and everything is regulated. So you have music, movies, TV yeah. shows, everything needs to be approved and it's official. But over there, they had like a huge movement of what was called unofficial music, which was kind of like their version of the underground, except like you could be put in prison or like fucking, you know, executed. Yeah. It's yeah. It's really, it's I really mean, crazy. So they, them. they were underground for a few years as, you know, as a unofficial music band. And then, uh, you know, won that talent contest, were able to put out records, toured, yada, yada, played at Woodstock 99. And the only original member of that band now is the singer, but that's fine. Cause of, 
you know, Michael Stipe from REM decided to go on tour, it would be fine. And if, you know, Gord Downey from Tragically Hip had done it, it would have been fine. That's really all you need in a band like that. You know what I mean? You just take the front guy. Um, so, yeah, that's DDT. That's the Emerging Artist stage. And that concludes our, uh, our, our coverage of day two t- today for today. We did it. Dave Matthews. I know. It was exhausting. Counting was crows exhausting. Dave Matthews. Is, that's a tall order, boy. Um, so, But real quick, guys, we wanted to talk to you all about our Patreon. We know we mentioned it before. It's patreon.com slash culture dumps. And we have a couple different things available for you. There's a couple different tiers there. We want to go over those real quick. Uh, for just a $1 subscription, that's a dollar a month, you get the gate crasher access. Uh, we'll mention your name on the show. You get, uh, you know, when, when we start doing events, you're going to get early notice of that kind of stuff. Um, and you just help us keep the lights on and keep the Woodstock 99 merch coming uh, that I've been collecting. Thank you. Uh, then we have the the third the, the $3 subscription, which is the third base tier. Uh, yeah, $3, third base. Uh, for that, you get extra, um, you know, exclusive photos, research materials. Every once in a while, we might send you out one of our outlines. Uh, we'll tease episodes, you, you know, th- things like that. Um, it, it's, it's just fun factoids and things. Uh, we've had a lot of people send us pictures of their time at Woodstock yeah. 99. You'll get to see those. There are some incredible ones. Uh, we could also include Parks' phone number. Oh yeah, no, we need to. Make, that's that's dollar tier stuff. <laughs> and, and, and then I'm worth three dollars to you. Yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna sell his ass. Uh, and then we have the 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 deluxe tier. Uh, if you are so kind and able to, it's a seven dollar subscription. But that you get exclusive episodes that we've recorded. We've released a commentary of the Buck Cherry set that you listen to while you watch along. We're gonna have more coming out. We have one for Limp Bizkit. We're gonna be coming out with. We have an episode about the uh, Limptropolis tour with Kid Rock and Limp Bizkit that they were on in 1999. And again, that, that's where you get, you know, really exclusive extra supplemental episodes and, and things like that, along with all the other benefits. So it really helps us out. Make sure you share the podcast. That's that's the number one way to uh, help us out here at, at Woodstock 99's leading authority, yeah. Podcast 99. And uh, also... um. If if you are listening to the podcast on iTunes, um, they take those ratings very seriously. So if you can, you know, take two seconds to just give us like a review on the iTunes, that'll help boost us a whole lot. Yes, well. we, we you need to get us so to Woodstock we fifty. Really appreciate you guys listening and just the little reviews and stuff like that would just kind of push it that much further. Totally. So, so yeah, that's that's patreon.com slash culture dumps. Share the podcast, review it, all that good stuff. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Podcast99. And if you went to, worked at, or played Woodstock99, please reach out to us at Podcast99official at gmail.com. This is Ryan Lichten here with Josh Evans, Parks Miller. We'd like to thank Gray Holger at Condor Dick Sound for his technical assistance today. Thanks, and we'll see you at Woodstock.